Aloha, I'm Sol, your host and founder of Sol University. Are the holidays less than a happy time for you? If so, it's time to add more happiness by joining us in this series. We have not only a lecture, but a live class. Each class provides time to laugh, vent some frustrations. I invite you to join us to navigate the holiday season with a lot more confidence. Follow the registration instructions to join us for our weekly, live, lively conference call classroom. Get ready for some wonderful laughs, some ahas, all from the comfort of your phone. I look forward to meeting you and to being of service. And now, time for class. And now we begin to dust off our romance manual, week 10. In this segment, three topics to explore. Topic number one, how is romance more than roses? Topic number two, values. What are those? Values. And topic number three, vision. Values and vision. All right. Romance is a very personal topic. When it comes to romance, unfortunately, we're so inundated with merchandising and the Hollywood mystique around what romance should be. Isn't romance all about roses, diamonds, expensive dinners or expensive trips or trinkets that are supposed to show materialistically how much we love each other? Is that really romance? Is that all there is to romance? I'm asking you to dive a little deeper into the romance pool by getting to know what does romance really mean to you? And when it comes to romance, what does it look like for you? What does it feel like, smell like, taste like? So we're first going to look at a brainstorming exercise. I invite you to grab a sheet of paper and a pencil. And if you've never done brainstorming before, let me give you a couple of housekeeping rules around brainstorming. Housekeeping rule around brainstorming number one is anything goes. Any thought that comes to mind while you're brainstorming, it applies. No filtering, no judging, no criticizing. Anything that you think while you're brainstorming, say it, write it down. You'll be surprised at how something completely nonsensical or too grand in your mind might actually popcorn into something else that's valuable. So ground rule number one, anything goes with brainstorming. Ground rule number two, create a false sense of urgency. Set a timer. I highly recommend for the exercise we're about to do to set a timer for about three minutes. You're welcome to continue on brainstorming for as long as you'd like, but initially three minutes is good. Brainstorming works when we have a sense of urgency. It gets the creative juices flowing. For this first exercise on dusting off our romance manual, I invite you to grab a sheet of paper at the top of the page, write values. Values. V-A-L-U-E-S. Values. And set a timer for about three minutes. When you think of the word values, write down what comes to mind. What do you value in yourself? What do you value in others? What do you value when it comes to a relationship of any kind? Just brainstorming, letting it flow. 
Do you value honesty? Do you value money? Do you value good looks? Do you value consistency? Do you value something more than the other? We'll get into that other part in just a minute, but just start writing down those things that you value. That's really all it boils down to. What are your values? I want you to get to know what your values are. And the reason for this brainstorming exercise, after you're done brainstorming, the second step to this is now look at what you wrote down. Of those things that you value, there's a, any number of different ways you can begin to process what you've written down. You can rank things. You can start putting numbers by things. What's the number one thing you value the most? What's the second thing you value the most? That's one way of looking at the results of your brainstorming. Another way to filter what you have written down on your brainstorming is what are those things that you value that you actually do? If you value honesty, for example, <laughs> are you honest? If you value being on time or punctuality, are you also a punctual person? In other words, it's an alignment. There needs to be an alignment between what you value and what you do. So for this first step in dusting off our romance manual and discovering how romance is much more than roses is looking at what you value. What is it that you really, truly want more of on a regular basis? That's step number one. Once you begin to get in touch with your values, much like harmony in a song, when two people are singing together and they begin to harmonize with each other. Harmony between your values and your vision will produce a wonderful, magical way of being quite romantic. And here's how. The second step that I invite you to take is when you envision a healthy, happy, stable, ongoing relationship. What does that vision look like? And oh, by the way, just in case you might think I'm talking about a relationship with another person, I think if anything you figured out from the series that the relationship you have with that person staring back at you in the mirror, that's the primary relationship that we're looking at here. What's your vision for yourself? What do you see for yourself that allows you to be a loving, caring, healthy, happy person. What is that vision? So once you're done with the brainstorming and looking at the results of that brainstorming list, how many of those things in your brainstorming list regarding your values are actually part of your vision? And what I mean by that is if your vision is to have a happy, healthy relationship. Are you in a happy, healthy relationship with yourself? Meaning, when you stand stark naked in front of a full-length mirror and you look at yourself, is there a tenderness that you feel? Is there a wonder that spreads through you? Is there a glow that envelops from your heart, from the inside out, when you 
gaze upon the being, the beautiful being that you are, or if you're brave enough to stand in front of a mirror and just look at your own reflection, what do you actually see? If that vision bounces back to you, the awakening of your inner critic, your inner judge, that you're too much of this or not enough of that, you're too old, you're too young, you're too big, you're too small, whatever the critic decides to throw out there or the judge decides to throw out there, unfortunately, the critic and the judge is going to want you to keep the dust on your romance manual. Don't disturb the dust. Because if you disturb the dust, that means you got to disturb the vision. you got to do something about having romance, starting with yourself. So as we get ready for Valentine's Day, this concept of exploring your vision based on your values will help you begin to see what do you really love about life in general. Is romance something where you treat yourself to a, a special cup of something every now and then and just ponder how lucky you really are? Is romance doing a random act of kindness? Doing a random act of kindness for someone, possibly completely anonymously? Just getting a giggle out of the fact that maybe you saved someone from a parking ticket or some sort of embarrassing mishap by doing a random act of kindness? So for this week, gearing up for Valentine's Day, as we dust off our romance manual, regardless of whether you are single or partnered, guess what? You are partnered. That partnership that I have with myself is my primary partnership. That partnership that I have with myself comes first. I need to be healthy first. And then everyone else around me, providing they are healthy as well, I got a bonus. Because, you see, gentle listeners, one of the ways to dust off the romance manual is to throw a little weird math into the mix. And that weird math looks like this. 1 plus 1 equals 3 when it comes to relationships. And you might think, it's all that new math, I don't know, what's that all about? Let's just put it this way. A healthy me... A healthy you means that should we be in any type of relationship with each other, means we're a healthy us, the sum of our parts. No matter what your relationship status is, you're always partnered, at least with yourself. I invite you to consider two things as we dust off our romance manual. First, would you start jotting down, journaling per se, what you would like more of in life? It need not be gone with the wind length journal entries. Each day on a notepad, capture a short note on what you want more of. Write it down. And apply the brainstorming ground rule that nothing's too silly. Nothing's too grand. The reason why I invite you to write it down is because, guess what? There's power that happens when a thought goes from something from thin air to something concrete, like words printed on a paper. Write it down. Start journaling what you do want more of. 
And when it comes to romance, you might be brave enough to share those thoughts with the person who you're romantically involved with. You're allowed to grow together. That's the goal. Next, I'll remind you of a powerful tool to upgrade your communication skills. We've talked about this tool in other segments of this Holiday Blues Busters series. One of the best ways to dust off the romance manual is learning how to say no with ease and grace. I'm going to tilt this concept of saying no towards the reality that, wow, when it comes to time, how often, how easy is it to say yes to something, but then it takes the time away from being romantic? How much romance time is actually in your calendar? I know, <laughs> I'm not asking you to schedule romance from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. on every other Wednesday on an ongoing repeating basis. I don't know, maybe I am. <laughs> but seriously, saying no, especially to those inner voices inside that wants to sabotage romance, when you might think about creating a fabulous meal for your partner and just having a nice romantic evening, but then some voice creeps inside, you've got this to do and that to do, and you start feeling guilty that, boy, if you don't get this project done or that project done, the bills won't get paid, and then if the bills won't get paid, the house is going to blah, 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 blah. Go back through this series. We talk about the fine art of saying no as an extreme form of self-care. It, it sounds bizarre, but... It's something very worth looking at. Extreme forms of self-care is a way to help release stress as well. So with those thoughts in mind, try that brainstorming exercise. What are your values? Next, once you've finished up that brainstorming exercise, review what you've written down. And I invite you to once again remember just in case you haven't heard this before, everything that I offer in what I do with other people, I invite you to always be in the mode of the explorer versus the analyzer. Explore with no destination in mind. The really sneaky, rather unhealthy thing about analyzing is analyzing can slice and dice and slice and dice. One issue becomes two, two issues become four, Four issues become eight. That's what analyzing does. So as you review your results of your lists, of your values and your vision, let the explorer in you just wonder about stuff. And you'll be surprised what the results are. All right, class. Once again, you're all alumni of this class, as you <laughs> usually do. What popped out for you as we headed through our romance manual? First of all, what did you think of that brainstorming exercise? That was a good exercise. For me, 
I believe I reflected back to when I was married. My husband had passed away. I was married and the good times that I had in my romantic life with my husband. And it brought some good memories to me. And I was able to really write down some of the things that I loved about the man that I married. I guess what popped up for me, this is Cheryl from the Big Island of Hawaii, that Rick and I have been together for 28 years. And we're not that romantic, like getting roses or special dinners out or anything. Our romance and our love is showed in other ways every day, like doing little things for each other every day just because we love the person, just that they know that they enjoy something at the store, so you'll pick that up. Both of us do it all the time, and it's just uh, a courtesy and a little way of showing romance a little bit. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It, it is interesting how, in a, a materialistic world, Valentine's Day has gotten to be this, just like Christmas. Everything is, you have to show your love with some something or other. Really? It, for example, not too long ago, while this wasn't a romantic relationship, it was someone who I care for deeply. I knew that they were feeling a little off center because they were facing some pretty significant life changes. I knew they loved full body massages, but I also know that they were a little bit tight on cash. I just happened to know a good friend in the area, excellent massage therapist, and he just showed up with a massage table saying, someone's gifted you a massage. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) It's those little things. I agree with you both. It's those little things that you do. Definitely. That brainstorming exercise, it's a bit of a a pot stir, too, isn't it? As you think about three minutes, what do you value in yourself? Do you recall the first time you did that, Marsha, that first three minutes? Was that three minutes more like like eight minutes? I I actually had to take a trip back into time to recall all that about myself. And it's so funny that... Gee, you'd think I would know this already about myself, but I had to take a trip back into time and recall moments in my life that I really, truly enjoyed. And I got older, life started getting busy, things about my life got more serious. Just the idea of the things I used to enjoy, all of a sudden, it just dawned on me, gee, what happened to the things I used to enjoy doing? Why am I not doing them anymore? That was, yeah, (laughs) that's weird. (laughs) I did write down a few things that I value in my partner, which when you asked, do I those values in myself? And yes, I can definitely say, yes, these are the things I value about myself as well. Excellent. Rick, you... I know you love these little mind mapping games we play. You can't wait to just dive into every single one of them. He's, oh, yeah, right. I to look at what I value, you know, in myself. It's real basic things. And then, like, it started to look at what I would value in a, in a partner. I was trying to figure out what do I really value in a partner. 
I've talked about this with Cheryl before. If women don't have certain physical attributes, I would never be with them. I don't know how to explain that, but I don't know if it's biological or social conditioning, but obviously if a person would know themselves good enough, there are certain types of women that I, I look at. I looked at more when I was thinking I wanted a partner, and it was always ladies that were taller than me. I don't know why that is. I really value domestic skills, that they love children, they're connected with nature. When I look at them, they have to have this sort of light in their eyes. Otherwise, no. I guess it's different what you would value in a partner than that you value in yourself. Because I'm not really sure at this time what I value in myself. That I'm happy, that I get up every day, that I do what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what's what I value. I value that I have the ability to choose. I can choose to be happy. I think in myself, I have noticed over the years that I really value fun-loving people. I consider myself somebody who's fun-loving. And I've always been somebody who enjoyed spontaneity, spontaneous spur of the moment. Okay, yeah, let's do it. That has been something that I also look for. If I were to look for another partner, they would have to be a little bit spontaneous. They would definitely have to be fun-loving because, believe me, I will make sure that you laugh (laughs) at least once a day. And honesty is another one that I value also. I think those particular things about a person That, to me, would just make my world perfect as far as having that fun-loving disposition and being a spontaneous type person, definitely. And when I look at my romance, gee, I stopped doing so many things that I enjoyed doing before I started doing them again. So I started bringing romance back into my life. For example, I enjoy dancing, and I don't care if I if people think I'm crazy. I will turn on some music, and I'll do a little dance for myself, just because it makes me feel good. I enjoy things like just having flowers on my dresser to look at. And I love to wake up in the morning and I hear the birds singing. Oh, yeah, I'll step outside (laughs) just to hear the birds in the morning because that starts off the day so nicely, especially when I live in the city and I don't get to hear birds except for early in the morning and maybe in the evening when they start. Just little things like that make my day. Now you bring up that thing that we should definitely talk about. Valentine's Day is also a day where we can honor ourselves, right? It doesn't have to be that you've got some hot, steamy, sticky stuff going on. (laughs) I did talk about the fact that what happens when you stand in front of a mirror? I don't know about anybody else, but I am basically my own cheerleader for myself. 
when I stand in front of myself and I'm naked, I, I really am proud of my body right now, especially since I reflect back and I say, gee, I had all my children and this body did it. <laughs> this body did the work to have those children. And that really makes me feel proud that my body did some miraculous work when I think about it. And I'm really amazed with myself that I stopped drinking soda. Yay. I'm drinking water now. <laughs> That's work for me. <laughs> yeah. That's huge. That little... Yeah, it is. Yep. Good it job. is for me. Thank you. I never liked that naked in front of the mirror stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Well, Right now, 5'6", I have a 30-inch waist, and I am probably in some of the best shape I've ever been in my life as far as if you look at me physically. But I've always been in good shape, but every time I look at myself, I would go, you know, I could be in a lot better shape than this. (laughs) My friends would come over, they would just be like Hercules, and I would think I was in shape. I'd look at them, oh, my God, what are you eating? What are you doing? But if you compare yourself to other people, that's what you think but I use creative visualization to do it. I never really looked at myself and said, wow, I really love the way that this body looks and uh, that it functions. Uh, I do appreciate it when I catch good ways and when it does function properly, but it's my slave. (laughs) Otherwise, it ain't worth nothing to me. If it doesn't do what I need it to do, when I need it to do, then cash it in. It always worked pretty well and did what I needed it to do. I paid for that. I trained hard and worked hard and um, to keep my body in shape and the knowledge of nutrition and water and all that other stuff. But it, it didn't always work. Right. Like, I have to say that my analyzer always comes out if I look at myself in the mirror. Yeah. It's always, what's this? Sticking out here, this is a little more bulbous than it should be. I'm like, I'm really thin. What's this? This lump here or whatever. I never have thought that when I looked at her. Like when she was pregnant and I had to practically drag her out of our Corolla because she couldn't get out of there. (laughs) I never, ever thought, oh, she's getting fat. After she had the baby, it was like, what the hell? Where did her stomach go? (laughs) And then when I would look at pictures of her, I go, holy shit, what the hell did I do? But I wouldn't realize it when I was with her. But when I would see the pictures or I'd show other people pictures, they go, damn, who's that? And I go, that's my wife. They go, you better keep that one. I go, don't worry about it. I always wanted to be with someone and have a, a stable relationship. Those two things right there, stable and relationship, aren't really words that should go together. Because <laughs> no relationships are really stable. We've been together for a long time in the same house every day. <laughs> we eat together and all like that, but if that's stability, okay. But it's... Now you're talking about, remember how I was talking about 1 plus 1 equals 3? Remember that? When you first heard that, one plus one equals three, what came up for you? He's been saying that for years. (laughs) Uh, For those listening in, one plus one equals three, what's that formula? Who wants to break down that formula for people? Rick, you've been saying it for years. What is that formula? (laughs) Like one plus one could never equal two. 
in a relationship. To me, one plus one, one is me and is us. So there's three when there's two always. And basic logic, like when I am in a relationship, it functions as three. Because I don't really put myself always first. I do, and I have to eat, I have to sleep. But I always think of the relationship itself. I think of the other individual in the relationship before I take a breath of air. Because it's more important to me that the other person is, not necessarily that they're happy, but at least I give them the consideration of, hey, before I do something, I have to think it through first. To me, that's what love is all about. You nailed it. A little bit of before you do something. Well, I'm going to Conan for three days, honey. See ya. Yeah, like your dad would do. Oh, yeah, my his, dad is the master. His dad went to get a loaf of bread and came back three days later. No! Yeah. yeah. I was just telling my son that today we were having some conversations. He never really knew my dad that much. And my dad, the Brewers game would be on Monday, and my dad would leave on Thursday for the Brewers game. <laughs> Too funny. Yeah, talk about relationships. Whoa. Yeah, I had two. He would have a girlfriend, another woman that I suppose would be a, a more steady girlfriend, and his wife at the same time. Oh. Yeah. And the model, my dad's motto was everybody once and the easy ones twice. Yeah. He thought he was a player, right? <laughs> I, I really learned from that experience. That is not how I wanted to do my business. In high school, I had a steady girlfriend. I just wanted a steady girlfriend, like go to prom, like normal, like Richie Cunningham. And then, like, when I got into some not that great relationships, then I started to realize that a type of person, really, that would tolerate me for a <laughs> period of time. If you went out to dinner with yourself, would you make it through desserts? <laughs> Seriously, would you date yourself? Are you in that space where you would find yourself interesting? That's a good question. I, I know for myself I can say yes because don't put, sit me down at a table and think that I'm not going to eat. Yes. <laughs> and that includes the dessert. <laughs> and yes, I'm going to have a conversation with myself and it's going to be enjoyable for sure. I ask that question because, unfortunately, I've seen so many situations where people start trying to create a romantic relationship where they're trying to fill something they think needs filled. In our romance manual, something we didn't talk about in class, when you start sensing somebody's really needy, that's a romance buzzkill right there, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And while we can relate to that person's neediness, I, I've been in more than one situation where I just have to point blank look at that person and say, look, I could give you the entire planet on, the, on a platter, and I don't think it would be enough. And they often look at me like, what? <laughs> <laughs> that does lead into, Marsha, we were talking about toward the end, one of the call to actions is um, – Saying no with ease and grace. I'm curious, before the three of you took a journey known as pay me what I'm worth, what was it like to say no? For me? 
Mm-hmm. It was very uncomfortable to say no. I don't know why it had to be so uncomfortable, but it was. It was that feeling of guilt that would come up if I did say no. Guilty yeah. why? Yeah. Why? Because you weren't giving? Because you were actually standing up for yourself and you're not supposed to? What was the guilt about? Oh, I know it wasn't because I was giving. It was more or less that I felt guilty saying no because I had never really said no too many times. Uh, I wasn't used to it. I felt like if I said no, that it was going to be a reflection on me, and I would look selfish. Yeah, that idea of being selfish. How could I say no, right? That that was something that I guess I was raised around that whole notion, that mm-hmm. it looks selfish if you say no. Got it. For me, it would be social pressures would Um. give me the guilt of saying no. Well, other people, I would think how all of society says you're supposed to do a certain thing and you better do it even if you don't want to. And to say no would be wrong. Just social pressure that way. That would be my trigger for guilt. Peer pressure. Peer pressure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I started to feel less of the the style of pressure. <laughs> oh, there was so much said in that sigh right there. <laughs> I, I started to feel less pressure after I got through Pay Me What I'm Worth, and I started to integrate more. I started to feel more pleasure in saying no. So sometimes in romance, saying no is one of the best things we can say. There's a lot of folks I know who, they're head over heels in debt, they don't know how they're going to make their next electrical payment or their next something payment. Their car might be inches away from being repossessed, but boy, it's Valentine's Day, and even though roses are roses, they charge extra for red roses because society has placed a value on red roses. Red roses mean you love someone, right? Mm, yeah. yeah. So they'll go out and drop 50 bucks on a dozen or so red roses, and I'm like, Really? The last I checked, I couldn't eat roses, so if there's no food in your refrigerator, but yet you're showering your beloved with red roses, okay, hope you figured out how to saute roses. <laughs> if he didn't do that, the wife would get mad there. True. Even though he knows he doesn't have the food, he better darn well get those roses. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are that way. I never had that. Pay me what I'm worth to help me with that. I'm finally mature enough to go through Christmas without complaining all the time. Or Valentine's Day. I understand the value of it for people. And I understand the value of showing someone else that you love them. It's a little bit over-commercialized, but I don't think there's anything wrong with it. We're getting close to wrapping up our journey, so it might be time now to just reflect. We've been together since the week of Thanksgiving. We've just got a couple weeks left to go before it's Valentine's Day and the Holiday Blues Buster series wraps up. Any overall observations? All three of you have been through this series now, the second time around. Anything pop up for you over this journey that maybe it was elusive last year, the first time through, and this year gelled a little bit, or maybe something's still eluding you? Thoughts? I 
for me, it has gelled. Every time I listen to a class or I'm in a class discussion, it really helps to reinforce. It brings me back to the chapters in the book and what I've learned in the book and learned about myself. It has gelled where I'm so much more aware of the fact that, wow, I really am here to love and enjoy life, not just to work my butt off, to pay my bills. There's so much more to life, and if I miss out on that, I will kick myself in the rear. (laughs) (laughs) That is part of romancing because my soul needs to be romanced in ways where I can deeply care about myself and put myself first. Heads up, all you martyrs out there. Did you just hear what Marcia said? Marcia, are you a reformed martyr? (laughs) I think so. I guess you could call it that because I really did. I volunteered. I put myself last in so many situations in the past. I saw that pattern, and I said, that's going to stop. I am going to put myself first. I'm going to do things before I leave this earth. I will make sure that I have lived a full life that I can say I enjoyed myself, I had a good life, and I learned how to be loving to myself and others. That's what I want. Nice. The biggest thing that I would say that the whole series did for me is make me realize how much extra stress I caused myself through each holiday (laughs) and that I have now been able to just let go and get on with it and not let myself get so stressed out about any of it. Stress over the holidays. Cheryl, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Uh, I appreciate that reflection. When I hear you speak, Cheryl, one of the things that pops up for me is how we've all done our work on what we call our chaos committee. The the perfectionist, the judge, the critic, the controller, blah, blah, blah. Have you noticed that if there's still a hint of any of that, that the holidays will bring it out? Have you caught sight of that? Definitely, yeah. Anytime I get more stressed, it'll bring it out like that, yeah. So it means that the holidays are a litmus test. The holidays are how far have I personally come in my awakening process and in my spiritual development. It is the triggers that I had last holiday season, are they still there? And if so, we've got more work to do. (laughs) I had a great holiday season this year. I, it was really not stressful, and it just flew by. It was nice. Sweet. And you were with Rick during this time? <laughs> See, I said you just got to learn to let things go. <laughs> I did the process of being what I'm worth to the first year blues reinforced the be what I'm worth. Great. Can you imagine being Rick's son-in-law? No, God. <laughs> I appreciate your reflections because you're beginning to see there's continuity in the content that you get from Soul University. One class dovetails 
and fortifies another class. Yeah? Yeah. And sometimes it's pretty subtle. It's pretty sneaky. (laughs) Once again, I appreciate you being here. We're almost done, ladies and gentlemen, with the Blues Buster series. You can certainly go back in and listen to the entire series. Just absorb. Do I have a false illusion? I have the illusion that what we do in this series actually applies to every day. Is that illusion correct, or am I completely crazy? No, it's correct. I am so much more aware every single day, and I think one grand test of the little annoyances I have right now, I'm able to handle it. And I tell you, before that, you would see the phone being thrown out the window Mm. or something. But it's just being aware every day. Good. All right, folks. Thanks again, everybody. I look forward to seeing you in class. Aloha. Are you suffering from worth decay? Here's how you know you might be suffering from worth decay. If you think or feel worthless because of your age, health, finances, or your looks, guess what? You're suffering from worth decay. For those who really want to end Worth Decay, you'll call and register to be part of our unique self-paced program. Call 312-268-0000 to learn more about this program. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.